Hello and welcome to the WordPress Chick Podcast. Brought to you by the WPChick.com. WordPress explained for those of us who get headaches when we hear words like PHP and functions, but want to make money with their WordPress sites. No boring code snippets here. Just WordPress happiness made easy. Now, here's your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. Hey, what's up, everybody? Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick here, and welcome to another episode of the WordPress Chick Podcast. Today's episode is number 24, and I'm really excited about this interview today because this interview, well, the relationship that's come out of this is just testament to what happens when, I don't want to say when you start playing a bigger game, but it's it's just the power of relationships and engaging and networking and, and all that good stuff. Um, this is Wes Ward. He's my new accountability partner in a mastermind group I'm in that focuses on Facebook and Facebook ads, which you're going to hear a whole bunch more about that later when I interview the founder. But I just I am super excited because Wes has totally blown my mind in terms of branding and storytelling and, and looking at things in a completely different perspective. So enjoy the interview. Again, this is Wes Ward and you can sign up. He's got a free series called Publish and Grow and you can get, you can sign up there at publishandgrow.com. And just after you listen to this, I, I think you're going to understand why I'm thinking you need to do this because he rocks. Anyways, enjoy the interview. Let me know your thoughts. Make sure to leave me some comments and of course would love a review in iTunes if you're up for that. And all the links that we talk about in this episode will be in the show notes. Thanks so much. Enjoy the interview. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick, and welcome to another episode of the WordPress Chick podcast. I've got another awesome interview for you today. And I have to tell you guys, the first time I talked to Wes on Skype, I'm like, I got to interview. I got to interview. So if I sound a little bit hyper, it's because I totally love what he's doing and have been able to take some of the things I think we've had like three conversations, but take what he's doing and apply it to my business. And the the best explanation I'm going to give you before I introduce you to us is, you know, having done this for almost six years now, not that I know it all, I don't mean that, but you kind of feel like you, you have a good understanding of stuff. And it was just like a whole world opened up to me. Um, and I felt like a little kid with a brand new box of crayons and a completely blank slate. So <laughs> Needless to say, I'm super excited. So thank you. This is Wes Ward. Wes, thanks for being on the call today. Oh, my God. That was fantastic. How are you, Kim? <laughs> I'm serious. It's like every time I start thinking about this stuff, I just I feel like a little kid. It's it's like Christmas every day. So it's awesome. Uh, it's exciting when you you can actually feel down the line um, people's head explode. And we're, you sort of got to, you feel like those guys in CSI walking around the room, you know, and you go, okay, let's just scrape it all out, repack it back in there so that uh, that energy is not lost and um, and it gets applied. Um, yeah, that's that's a really exciting intro. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm hoping because like we were talking before we started the call, you guys, and and I automatically record my Skype calls. So did you hear that the first time that we talked, Wes, that I was just like, Oh my God, I get it. I get it. And it was just like, I, I had, I started walking around. I don't know if I told you that, but I literally stood up and was walking around during that call as far well, as like, let me go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny that because, um, as I explained on that call, I, I ran through a few little tweaks or optimizations to the process with, uh, a special client of mine and the same thing happened. And, and she was actually in the offline world. She wasn't, um, a hardcore internet marketer or anything like that, just a traditional business owner. But boom, you know, it was like, okay, let's let's bring out the cloth and clean up the room again because the head exploded. 
and it was like excitement you know the energy and and you know your energy uh, i could just feel it down the line and and that that's exciting when people can shift and see something new and it really it, it really touches deep into the psyche of of how humans are made and and that's where it's exciting for me because when i was you know been working on this sort of stuff for years and could never quite see you know bringing the picture there was just elements from here there and everywhere and once it's sort of like one big massive jigsaw once they started interlocking and you could see this picture and it's like oh wow this is this is fun and then when you see you know someone like yourself who's very experienced and, and very capable um get a fresh perspective that's really really exciting so um and i'm just glad here glad to be here and you know to share it with your audience well and i think one of the things that you just said, too, is that it's fun. And that's I, – I did a little manifesto a couple of years ago, and I stated, if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. And you made stuff totally fun that I, I've probably avoided for too long. But it's – I don't know. For what it's worth, I'm ready to do those things in my business now. Um, but let's let's back up a little bit and because I don't think we've covered this any of the times that we've talked yet. But fill us in on your background and what you were doing before you started your current business. Okay. Well, if we really – really did back um my background was in accounting and marketing uh, out of uni and i spent probably three three and a half years over in europe after that time and and probably the big break for me was working for the world's largest perfume comp- company so um that was a lot of fun that was in holland i learned a lot about uh unilever who was our number one client and really got to understand um old school marketing sort mm-hmm. of where people would learn at, um, like the Kellogg Institute, you know, the Procter and Gamble's of the world, um, really traditional marketing. This was, dare I say, pretty much on the verge of the internet coming in, you know, yeah. so in the, <laughs> the mid nineties. So I'm showing my age a little bit. That's and uh, and then from there, when I came back to Australia, um, I did, did a couple of things. But um, our family business is in agriculture and. Um, you know, they were building a business. So I went in there and, and actually started help, helping them build the vineyard and and just growing that agricultural business. But at the same time, I started making wine. And so then I just started using some of my branding principles and marketing knowledge there and created a wine brand. And then all of a sudden, um, took a few tank samples and um, tank wine samples. So basically what that means is just literally wine out of the – out of the tank from a winery, took it to America with some designs and got a $5 million contract, which was fantastic. And Outstanding. Did you, were you so, uh, my neck of the woods, Napa? Uh, oh, look, I've been in Napa quite a few times. And, <laughs> um, not too far. Well, I don't live there, but close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. But, um, but that brand that I created was called Koala Creek, and um, I don't own the company anymore. Um, but at the time uh, – I was using some principles around branding, which um, which I like to leverage on. And so when I was in this category of knowing exactly who my target audience was in the wine industry, I was really looking for importers that weren't white, were not wine snobs. Yeah. Yeah. And so because there's two types of audiences in the trade, they're really pretentious snobs, or there's very brand focused people. And so I said, right, I need to deal with brand-focused people who will understand the characteristics of this brand, and it'll sell itself. So from that point of view, I needed to sell Australian wine. So it was really, really interesting, and um, and this will resonate 
with um, your the American audience here, the whole brand concept was um, born out of um, uh, 9-11. Oh, wow. Which you'd be, you'd be amazed, yeah. And um, for all that, you know, it was just as – the news was just as shocking over here as it was in America. And what actually happened is that all of a sudden, just like the tourism trade in a lot of countries just said, oh, that's it, Americans will never travel again, that's it, we're dead. Um, over here, the tourism industry was on the radio squealing, going, oh, this has changed everything, no one will fly again. And during that time, one, one, one of the uh, heads of the tourism authority said, here, do you realise that there's only four icons in the world that, um, four icons in the world that can be associated with a country. Okay, and the first one was the Eiffel Tower, which meant France. Mm-hmm. Second one was the Statue of Liberty, which meant America. The third one was a kangaroo, which <laughs> meant Australia. The fourth one was a koala, which meant Australia. Wow. So based on that little snippet of knowledge, I realised that we are nearly half of the global um, intellectual property in relation to branding of a country, yeah, mm-hmm. in the collective conscious of a global audience, yeah. So here am I trying to sell wine and I'm thinking, okay, how can I say Australian wine without having to say a print on the label and waste space saying Australian wine? Well, then it was really easy. It either had to have a kangaroo or a koala on it, yeah. <laughs> totally. Because, because the data had already told us, yeah. And so in order to leverage what is already in the mind of people, um, this was really easy. So now it came, okay, is it going to be a kangaroo or a koala? Well, what if my target audience is in the supermarket aisles of Boston or, or anywhere in America and my wine was targeting the $10 segment and I knew that that wine was really Monday to Thursday night drinking, <laughs> yeah, your dinner. It wasn't going to be the wedding celebration, yeah. Right. Who is the primary purchaser still for the, the household? Yep. <laughs> so, so which character would resonate and more look like something that they own themselves, a koala or a kangaroo? What oh looks more like God. What looks more like a human baby? Yeah. The koala. Oh my god. Koala. Yeah. <laughs> You make this stuff sound so friggin' easy, but yet it's – I would never even put any of that together. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but, but this is the process of getting clarity and really understanding your target audience and what their motivators and drivers are, yeah? Yeah. And it's not a simple, you know, what keeps them up at night. You know, we see a lot of that in our industry, as oh, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the elements of building trust start – in the, de- the depths of the mind, yeah, mm-hmm. in the co- collective unconscious that we'll talk about shortly. But it was just in that case, that's how um, Koala Creek and, and everything about um, wine is all about, you know, the region and what the French call terroir, you know, the, the, the landscape and the soil and you know, et cetera. So you use the word koala and then, excuse me, you use uh, a geographic thing like a creek or a hill or mountain or something like that to represent geography or or an element of terroir, which is very important in the wine industry. So that's how Koala Creek was born. So with that, 
design brief, I could clearly design uh, brief a, a graphic designer on the brand attributes and all that sort of stuff and say, we need the minimalist, most elegant koala you've ever created in your life. <laughs> it's a pretty tough brief for graphic design <laughs> yeah <laughs> because because they knew i had razor clarity and and here's a tip for anyone you know wanting to deal with graphic design is get the brief as narrow as you can it's going to make their life easier but you're going to get a lot more value out of um you know there's less back and forth there's a lot more clarity in that so oh, yeah. um i have a full so, designer and whenever i try to get into her head i make a mess but when i'm very clear on what i want we get it knocked out Super quick. <laughs> Absolutely. And so th- this is this is part of what I'd call setup and getting clarity just around your brand and your brand positioning. And uh, we can sort of move into that shortly. But one, once that's even just written out on a document, you know, one page, mm-hmm. it's just going to make the life of that graphic designer so much easier because they're not having to come up with creative around, you know, more general stuff. They can just get creative down a, down a straight line basically. So, yeah, so that was Koala Creek. So that was the background there. I sold the company. And then at the time, I set up my first website. I think it was back in 2002 for that company. And I made it really, really clear, do not get in touch unless you're willing to order a container load of wine on the wow. website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were kind I of thought, serious about selling it. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the positioning of this product, like I said, wasn't, it was there to blow away the competition in its price point, yeah. And and the and the goal and the remit of that brand was to blow away wine, competing at twice the price, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the value proposition was just so high, yeah. It wasn't there to go and you know win awards. If it could, it'd be great if it did, but it was there to be the absolute champion of someone who doesn't understand wine, doesn't know knows what they like to drink. Mm-hmm. But that's about the beginning of it and feels intimidated going to sell doors, et cetera, that sort of stuff. So um, – Yeah, they want to buy it off the grocery store shelf, right? They don't yeah, want to well, – Yeah, well, they're not going to drive to Napa to get their wine when they're busy. They've got to pick up the kids. They've got to go to school. You know, they may be going to work, the gym, all these things. They're going to go to the grocery store on the way home. And while I'm there, I'll just grab something because I'm making, I don't know, uh, antipasto or something for mm-hmm. dinner. And, yeah, I just want a nice, light Chardonnay or whatever it is. And so it's about convenience and making that decision very easy for them. And what that really requires is communicating the value proposition. And so in order to make this look like a $20 bottle, we had to have a design that fitted that brief of premium but still Australian. And also very clear what it is and what you're going to get out of this, but it's still $10. Right. Yeah. So it was all those multiple cues. And, and so communicating your value is just so important before you communicate anything. You've got to be clear on what your value proposition is. And I think that's that was the first half of our conversation last week when we first discussed, you know, let's back everything up and where do you fit in the whole value chain? Um, Which has totally and- like turned everything upside down for me. But in a good way, in a, in a really good way, because absolutely, it, yeah. it's um, and before we move on, it's it, the whole clarity piece. Um, I know that one of the questions I want to talk to you about is, you know, some of the most important things with branding. But in terms of clarity, because I've seen this just with website clients and the inability to get clear on what they're trying to accomplish, I think a lot of people just don't even know where to start. And that's something you work with people on with the clarity piece, right? 
Absolutely. See, the thing is, um, I've always got this saying, and it's as applicable to me. And so, be very clear on it. I get confused. You know, I'm human, yeah. just like you are, just like everyone on this podcast today. Um, I've got a saying: a lawyer never represents himself, and there's a really good reason for it because they're too close to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. they can't. No matter how hard you try, um, it's very difficult to extract yourself from yourself and be objective. Yeah. And you know, so, really quick with that, I was just going to say it is so much easier for me to do things with my site now that I have like a full time team because I'll tell them what to do. And I'm not saying I've removed my hands from WordPress, but where my value is, is in the content and what I'm doing. So I don't dink around with that stuff and it gets done quicker and it's easier and I'm clear on what I want to do. Absolutely. And so it's having that clarity before you move. And, and look, just even talking about content as a whole new world, that's a collapsed um, phrase in itself, which mm-hmm. a lot of people don't even understand. There is the design and the message and expressing effective communication and your value and the production of it. Yeah. So content can be video, text, audio, whatever, but what's actually getting told? What's the story inside it? Um, and I think that's where a lot of people struggle. They can do courses on how to podcast or how to produce sexy-looking videos, but where the value is transferred is in the messaging and how you do that and how it resonates and how to tell a story. Who would have thought that I'd build a wine business out of an environment that people said, you know, this is an economic disaster? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Just curious because all of a sudden in that – disaster zone and terrible tragedy tragedy was a one skerrick of information that built a whole new business and and so that's messaging and that's a memorable story because now you can remember that and recall it and repeat it because it's told in a story and that's the underlying thing that probably the the message for everyone here today is that you've got to really start thinking about where you add value and tell it in a story yeah because people will remember it and the whole point, uh, I don't know if you know, but do you know much about the Australian Aborigines, the, the original founders of Australia? I don't. I know I, I mean, I know of them, but I don't know much about them. So. They're, they're, their history is incredible. They've got the, the longest living human civilization in terms of knowledge transfer uh, anywhere in the world. And so continuous culture, I think is the word they use. Um, but how they survived and thrived is they adapted their whole um, methodology of living and transferred all that knowledge through story. So story is as fundamental to Aboriginal culture as, you know, going to work for us. Wow. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's absolutely fundamental. And their religion, um, the dream time, is all story. And every nation, Aboriginal nation within um, Australia, if you looked at Australia like Europe is today, where they've got all these nations, mm-hmm. well, you can actually look up a, a map of Australia. If you typed into Google the Aboriginal nations of Australia, you'd see, you know, probably 100 or 200 of them, yeah, all littered around. Wow. And they have had their own stories relevant to their own environment, yeah. And it was part of this sort of collapsing of the ecosystem, the way they lived and their religion. And it was all transferred. The knowledge transfer was all through story. And, and through their dance and culture and all that sort of stuff. So pretty powerful, but the real core message there is story is memorable. So if you're moving your message and you've got, you know where your value is and then you roll it up into a story, what you'll achieve is effective communication or effective knowledge transfer, yeah? And there's a little and, hook in there, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, there's a there's a few hooks, but uh, but the bottom line is, if you can cl- com- clearly communicate your value, well, then you're not going to waste anyone's time. Yeah, you're not walking around in circles. And back to your um, description there, where um, you have clients come and they don't really, they just don't have clarity. Yeah. Um, once you get really clear on behalf of a client or on yourself um, that you know exactly where your value is. And most people don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once that's communicated effectively, your business will grow exponentially. Yeah, T- and totally. so, so here was the thing. I would speak to a lot of people. See, my after the you know the wine days, I moved into digital because I could see the upside. I was seeing the statistics on my website. I knew this was the growth in the future. So I dived in both feet and hands and started my own agency. And a little bit like yourself, just became a WordPress convert. Mm-hmm. And I believe that is the foundation of the internet. And <laughs> it's, it's just fantastic. And I love it. Um, but what I found a lot of the time, people go, oh, I need a website. I said, no, you don't. What? What do you really need? Uh, I need more sales. Yeah, I need to be able to communicate without having to run around doing one-on-one meetings the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah? That's what I need. A website is really just a thing, a material thing that will help affect that goal. Yeah, well, it's kind of so like money, right? We don't actually need the bills. We want what the bills are going to get us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that old analogy, right? It's not like people are sitting here, I want cash in hand. You want cash because what it's going to get you. Yeah, I want the holiday. I want the Maserati. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or the Aston Martin. (laughs) Yeah, or the Aston Martin. Yeah, I don't don't care about the money. I just want the stuff. Yeah. So to speak. So, um, So that was really, really important. And so during my, you know, agency time, uh, where I was doing local business, big business, and you know everything in between, just people weren't clear on what they were trying to do, and then they, the hardest bit was getting clear on the messaging, yeah, to try and you know um, facilitate the goal that they actually really wanted to do, and if that was generate leads, um, to you know um, build trust, and during that process, I found that when I handed over a project. Um, I could come back 12 months later and nothing would have changed in terms of a website because that's the starting line in on the web. And once you start, then the way you participate is through p- publishing. Yeah? Right. Whether you like it or not, in order to participate on the web, you are actually publishing. Whether it's a tweet, you've just published it. Whether you've just shared a link, that's publishing. Yeah, nobody Everything tells is- you when you go online that you're going to become a writer and a publisher. <laughs> Well, you know, no, no one tells you, you you actually are a publisher, yeah? Right. There's different forms, different media styles, like writing is one. You could be video. You could be just audio, mm-hmm. you know? It doesn't really matter, but you are a publisher. And so once people really embrace that, and this is a cornerstone of content marketing, I spent a lot of time then realizing the true value for any business is – the bit after the website's handed over, yeah? It's the activity of building your own audience, yeah? In, so in their own authentic voice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so that comes down to being really clear where you add value, yeah? How you can shift a client's circumstances for the better, yeah? Because you're adding value. And so what I found, and 
you know, I've moved into a couple of areas. I've got a corporate social media uh, advisory as well as um, SME, which we'll talk about what we are talking about now. But most people don't even understand the fundamentals of what is the result your client wants. How are they better off? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do what is value? Simple. What is value? And people go, oh, well, you know, it's good, isn't it? No, the benefit to the person receiving your value is higher than the cost. Yeah. Like totally. if I, yeah, you know, people can't answer that if you ask them. I, I, I challenge you to go and say, can you tell me what value is? Just down the street next time, yeah? And um, those sorts of things. But what I, I sort of moved from there into content marketing because that was where my value is and I realized that the closer you get to the market, the higher the value. What I learned through my website, still up there, Content Igloo, um, and that was an entire advisory and strategy around content marketing, was that, you know, the goal is there, the opportunity of the internet and for every business and everyone on this call is that um, the opportunity there is to build your own audience, okay? Mm-hmm. That is, that's your asset, okay? So that you can communicate directly to them and not through third-party intermediaries like, you know, advertising in newspapers or, or you know, having sales teams or, you know, that you've got to rent or hire or something like that or get onto TV, yeah? And that's the advertising industry, yeah, or having to hire PR professionals to really get you up there. If you've got your own audience, you're in control. You've got your asset, and that's what businesses buy and acquire is goodwill and access to audiences. If you've got a massive list of buyers that love and know you and trust your brand and value your services, that's infinitely more valuable than someone who doesn't have a list, yeah? So it's just an interesting dynamic. What actually happened is that I found that content marketing itself is already starting to get polluted as a uh, phrase Mm -hmm. and people practicing this are just advising their clients to produce awesome content. Just go go and do something amazing. Yeah, okay. we we talked about the the epic content. It's like, what, okay, yeah. what what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, and don't be confused because you know the the godfather of content marketing, Joe Paluzzi, has just released a book called Epic Content. When I say epic content, I'm not referring to his book, okay? Mm-hmm. Because Joe is right on track with that. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who don't fully understand what Joe's trying to say, and they call it content marketing. Yeah, and and they're advising to their clients, I just produced amazing content. Well, it's just not that easy. And once you acknowledge that it's not easy, then you're halfway down the track to actually doing it. Well, yeah. Okay. I got a zillion questions in there for you. <laughs> <laughs> which which brings us to your current business, which you can mm-hmm. explain that in just a second. The thing is, I think where I have found the disconnect for clients too is – well, they may get clear on the audience, but then it's also like, well, how do I get, how do I find the audience? How do I get them here? Which I, I think that the publishing piece has to come first before the traffic to come. It, what are your thoughts on that? I know that's sort of a, a yeah, no, 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 mucked up question. Well, 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 this is a core principle. Um, just just to give context, I moved from content marketing and content igloo to what I call business growth publishing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just just to give context for the answer I'm about to give you, okay? And and I'll explain all that later. And Publish and Grow is the program to execute business growth publishing because the whole point is to grow your business, yeah? It's yep. not to build websites, not to endlessly produce content. You've got to grow your business. That's, that's the bottom line. Uh, a fundamental uh, construct of business growth publishing is what I call trust layering, okay? Which means that if you're going to start a new business, or put a presence on the web, um, you've got to produce content first before you can go driving traffic to it, yeah? Right. Which is the, pre- is the premise of your question, yeah? Mm-hmm. But the problem is doing a one-page lead capture hypey sales page isn't going to instill a lot of trust, yeah? It's well, like, there's no relationship me- building there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It says, give me your email. That's all it's saying. But what is it saying? Give me first, not I'll offer you first, yeah? Ah, yeah. Give me your email, okay? So you've got to have something really, really compelling to make it look like me asking for your email address is such a small contribution versus what you're going to get back in return, yeah? Mm-hmm. The okay? opt-in offer, yeah. The value proposition of the opt-in. Okay, see, yeah. I, you're like, I will get this in your head at one point, <laughs> the value proposition. Yeah. The value <laughs> The cost to me of giving you my email, potential invasion of privacy, the amount of time I've got to invest in consuming this content, mm-hmm. it'd want to be good. Because if I have to spend 20 minutes watching a video and I find out it's rehashed rubbish, I, I won't trust you, I won't like you, and I'll just unsubscribe and just go away. You know, I just won't listen to you anymore, okay? So here's the thing. You've got to have what I call trust-building content layered across your online presence mm-hmm. before you can bring people to it, yeah? Absolutely. So that may, may require five or ten pieces of content. It might be ten pages, yeah? Mm-hmm. It may be produced in media formats that accelerate the ability to develop trust, yeah? And then so it needs let's, to be shared across different platforms is what you're saying too, right? I mean, how do you know who your audience is or where they're finding you unless you put it in as many places as possible? Well, you know, not the audience thing mm-hmm. should should be part of, you know, your value proposition. Yeah, they, they, this is more just standard business uh, planning as opposed to a technology issue. Gotcha. Like, you know, I know who you serve just by the name of your, you know, you know the WordPress chick, yeah? Yeah. Okay, you're going to be serving business owners, the business community, yeah? So straight away, there's still not a tech issue uh, or, or an online issue. We've got to look at, okay, well, what sort of businesses? Is it B2B or B2C? Or B2G, even government, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, no, never B2G. Go ahead. <laughs> exactly, yeah, you want to get paid sometime in the next 24 months. Um but straight away, okay, so that's fine. Okay, which ver- industry verticals are you going down? Is it real estate? Yeah. Is it air conditioning service providers? Is it tradesmen? Yeah. Yep. Is it, you know, uh, I don't know, you're getting the drift. Yeah, totally. As soon as you know where your brand and your product positioning is, you know, your audience is all part of that mix, you know. So you're well, yeah, I mean, li- business growth. Sold- yeah, business growth publishing. Yeah, it's pretty obvious what you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because what is a core driver of what people 
want in business they want to grow yeah so that's how i position it but so what does that mean i'm going to be looking to talk to business owners yeah Mm -hmm. i i'm not not interested in that you know teaching ballet on the net or anything like that that's not my audience (laughs) it's not my skill set yeah 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 so anyway look um to answer your question is building a what i call a trust a layer of trust around your website via your content immediately is going to speed up you know if people trust you all of a sudden you're going to get business yeah oh yeah this this is the fundamental this is the thing about business growth publishing no trust no transaction it's as simple as that and that's nothing to do with tech online offline or anything it's that simple yeah well you know i can tell you that I mean, I've been doing this for a while, but it was 2013 when I launched the podcast and I made a real conscious choice to provide as much value as I could. And that's in, that is in different mediums, whether it's the audio, it's the, the uh, you know, the, the show notes, the posts, video, whatever it is. But I went about doing it to establish myself as someone of authority, but provides value for free. So that the assumption then would be, well, God, if you're giving this away for free, what is your paid training like? That was that was the premise behind it. Although I'm getting much more clear now. Yeah, well, and and that is a perfect strategy. Yeah, when you when you're starting out, um, Jay Abrahams would call it a strategy of preeminence. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I like to, you know, the goal of publishing grow is to create turn the client into a master influencer or the guru of their market space, yeah, because, and the reason is not for ego or for any other reason, is that the best customers in any market want to go with the best, yeah? Totally. And the perceived best, yeah? They don't actually know you, yeah? So all they can do is go on certain things. Trust is a belief, if you really think about it, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm going to get you to build my WordPress um, website, I've done all the research in the world, but until it's delivered, I don't know whether you can deliver it. I physically don't know. Right. Do I? Do I? So in order to commit to the transaction, I've got to have a certain level of faith and belief, or could be called trust, that you can deliver. You with me? Totally. Yeah. And so that's got to be the goal of any online presence is to build trust and if you take that concept further we're really creating content to build trust remotely yeah oh yeah so that you're not running around doing one-on-ones the whole time yeah there's only so much time (laughs) it's leverage yeah so just imagine that every time you produce content it was always memorable. It was right on message. It added value. It built trust. All of a sudden, if you were doing that on a consistent basis, you're building a separate asset on the web, yeah? Absolutely. What I'd call trust-building content, yeah? Now, imagine if we extrapolate that idea further and turn it into a compounding model, okay? And thinking about compound interest in your bank account Just think that knowing that if you can uh, build trust means that people will do business with you, you can sort of see that it turns into a little bit of a currency, yeah? Mm -hmm. And so if you're doing this each week, well, as you know from podcasting and doing all your uh, content publishing, um, a little trickle turns into a stream. 
and then a little stream turns into a, a big channel and then eventually it'll turn into a river. There's a little bit of a snowball effect, yeah? Oh, yeah, and it's it, because there's so many channels out there now that sometimes I, I look out and I'm like, oh, my God, look at how many views I've had on YouTube or subscribers because I'm, I'm constantly sharing there, but I'm not as diligent as I should be or maybe, I don't know if that's even true, with, with looking at the analytics and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my God, I get subscribers every day to my YouTube channel. It blows me away, but I just keep, I keep at it. <laughs> Exactly, and and that it's that consistency that you're doing is the reason why um, it works. And and uh, I had this term for clients always. Uh, I called it walking through the valley of death. <laughs> and um, it was basically when you're starting out, and you might be publishing blog posts once a week and video on it, or everything like that. And it's like just your mum is the only person reading it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> And, you, and you're getting up to three months and you're really starting to think, why are you doing – why am I doing this? You know, I'm getting about two views a day or something Crickets like that. Crickets chirping, yeah. <laughs> Crickets chirping, yeah. You're standing on your soapbox and it's an empty stadium, um, all that sort of stuff. But it does click in. And we were talking about this offline uh, – I mean, off-air last week is there, there's an unquantifiable um, – thing about doing this that doesn't come in the metrics and i call it lurking is that people when i talk to people they go oh you're busy you know you're doing some really good stuff but i don't see them on a as a metric on like my email list right they just, they just know what i'm doing because they've seen it through someone's comment in a facebook thread chat da 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 you're like wow you're really doing some amazing stuff what it's doing is just elevating your standing and positioning yeah and that's what our goal is is to be seen as the the expert and the guru. Uh, I don't like that word guru, but I just said it. Um, <laughs> well, sometimes uh, just until there's another word, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The expert or the clear leader in your marketplace because straight away it implies trust. Yeah, it's a position to take. And what that means is that you can command high prices. Yeah, but as soon as the trust is there, you're in with a shot to um secure that transaction or that particular sale for someone who needs help versus someone who's relatively unknown and has to compete on price yeah yeah absolutely. because at the end of the day people people are buying a result yeah mm-hmm. you go to the supermarket want to buy that bottle of wine it's ten dollars you might be going oh geez it might not be good because it's so cheap yeah yeah so there's an element of risk in it but because it's ten dollars it's relatively low risk, yeah? Mm-hmm. But the result is there. You're getting the wine. You just don't know how good it's going to taste. You could go to the same supermarket and buy, you know, a $200 bottle of wine and you'd be like, this better be good. Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I just forked out $200, yeah? Yeah. This result better really blow me away or if you're a guy and you're, you know, taking a girl out on a date, this better be good because, you know. <laughs> okay, you know, believe that one. work out. Yeah, this doesn't work out. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> that dinner was $350. Okay. Exactly. I never got – well, we won't go in there. Yeah. Um. Well, I want to I jump to this, the storytelling piece, but just for clarification right. so people understand. So your business is business growth publishing, and then the strategy and the training program where you teach all of this and you work with your clients is called Publish and Grow. Yeah. yeah so awesome. The- so the new market dynamic is what I call business growth publishing. It's a strategy that businesses can use, yeah? Mm-hmm. And the, the focus of that strategy is to build trust remotely and communicate effectively 
your value. That's it. So it's very different to content marketing, which is about publish epic information <laughs> in order to create a sale. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of different definitions. The goal of a strategy using business growth publishing is to build trust remotely. Yeah. Because we need to have that in order to execute a sale. Yeah. And Publish and Grow is my training program on how to do it. Yeah. And so now we can start to look at breaking down um, the clarity you need before you start producing content and then also what we go about it. But I think you wanted to talk more about storytelling today because Publishing Grow uses story to help people become master influencers so they can earn trust, build an audience and increase sales. That's because the- that was that was like the friggin' head exploding completely because <laughs> it's like I'm a you know, I'm a huge reader. I read a lot of nonfiction too. I told you this before, we went to Scotland and <clears throat> Harry Potter fans, complete diehards, my kids and I. And how I I completely looked at the why behind her story and the message she got across from talking with you. And I want you to do all your your thing. But I was so excited because it was I mean, I know there's a good message in those in those stories anyways, but it was the first time I could actually kind of take myself and put myself in a story, not in Harry Potter, mind you, I'd love to go to Hogwarts, but <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? Like I could, I could see, all right, well, what is my yeah. goal? As, wh- where am I, Harry, in my life, right? And I, I really, it was the first time I could do that. So I'm going to just let you tell it because I'm just too excited to even try. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, we'll just sort of slowly work our way through this uh, and we'll just loosely call it branded storytelling because I don't have a, a better description for it yet. Um, but a fundamental t- tenet of storytelling in commercial application, and I'm looking at Hollywood right now. Um, all the uh, all the films that have done over a billion dollars basically have a set formula. And for people on the call, they may have heard of the hero's journey. Some people may not have, but um, basically, you know, people who know a little bit about it would say, "Oh, yeah." Here they are, current reality, they experience something, they change, and, you know, we, we end up winning. And you really look at at that and you can just think of a bunch of different heroes' journey. You know, Rocky Balboa is a classic hero's journey. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the very first Rocky film, you know, he's down and out, he's beat, da-da-da-da, poor, eating dog food or whatever he's doing, um, and then he's issued a challenge, Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's got his shot, not only at the title, which is the material outcome, just like if we're wanting to increase sales, Mm -hmm. but also he experiences an emotional journey, yeah? This is his chance to get his life back on track. Yeah. Yeah. And so, he's really on a journey of, you know, you can clearly define that um, uh, material side of things, but it's the emotional journey. And that's what Hollywood do, you know, the, the big blockbusters are always talking, you know, about the hero who emotionally transforms as well as his material world, yeah? And so what's really, really cool is that I found out that there's really 23 steps to creating a Hollywood blockbuster <laughs> around, around the hero's journey. And that's really, really cool. And I get excited because I like processes and joining dots and everything like that. So that's really, really cool. And, and so... What I discovered doing about three months of studying this is that 
in order to hook people into their story, like the screenwriters, in the first act or, or the very first scene, is that they've got to get the audience to resonate with the hero. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're just going to walk out of the cinema. Yeah. And it's really, really cool because they identified a few characteristics of the hero that makes the, you know, humans naturally bond to them. And I'll just list a couple of them. The hero's got to be courageous. You know, it can't be a scaredy cat. You know, that's just not going to work. People don't respect that. Yeah. Um, The the hero's got to suffer an unfair injury or an unfair advantage. So if you think about Erin Brockovich, yeah, Mm -hmm. very opening scene, she's running through, she's, you know, got kids hanging off her hips, you know, she's being left by a husband or deadbeat boyfriend or something like that. Comes out, oh, there's more parking tickets, you know, she can't get the job, she's doing her best, you know, but it's just the world's conspiring against her, yeah? Mm -hmm. So there's there's an element of unfair injury. Uh, injury uh generally the hero is highly skilled at something yeah and in aaron brockovich she found out she's a pretty mean sort of uh lawyer just you know naturally skilled but unqualified yeah Yeah. so that was another unfair injury for her yeah because um she didn't have the qualifications to be a lawyer yeah even though she was better than the ones that were qualified in the office yeah totally um yeah she's funny people can identify that she's actually a nice person underneath yeah Mm-hmm. The, the hero's got to be nice, uh, not complicit or, you know, subservient, just a nice person, generally in danger, yeah. I, I'm just sitting here laughing. I'm like, I would be curious to know what the study is of, like, what heroes come to mind for certain people. You know what I mean? Well, I think you sh- on this podcast in the comment section below, people should write, you know, who's the hero in which film. Oh, that what- would be good. And what unfair injury do they suffer in order to hook you in at the first in the first scene? Because you know, I thought. I mean, I've already said the Harry Potter thing, and this is totally dating myself. But the Karate Kid, right? Daniel Russo, the original Karate Kid, who gets moved to this crappy town. He doesn't have the skills. You know, he wants to learn karate. They don't really. I mean, the whole scene, and so you empathize with him from the get-go, and then you look at the jerk. Yeah, I don't remember his name, and they set you up to hate the other guy right away. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because he's the ad, ad, adversary. And yeah. what, they're trying, what they're doing is um, creating a scenario where the current reality is just appallingly bad. Yeah. yeah? And, and to make it worse, they want to make the adversary basically undefeatable mm-hmm. in the mind of the hero. So the odds are so stacked against them. Yeah. Anyway, that's I just a side note, but it would be interesting. I would love to hear people or even who they their first thought is with this hero's journey. But yeah, absolutely. And so you know they're hardworking and obsessed towards their goals. So that um, you know fits in with the Karate Kid who goes, I you know in order to defeat this guy who's picking on me the whole time, I'm gonna have to learn karate and I'm unskilled. But then you know the character of the sage or the mentor comes in and what was his name? The Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi, that's it, you know. So this character, Mr. Miyagi, comes in and goes, I will teach you, yeah? Yeah. And, and he's um, a character commonly known as the mentor of the sage, yeah? And Which, I suppose this is a, a really good segue into the second part of this branded storytelling, yeah? Yeah, that's what I was just this thinking. Where, this is where the head explosion happened for you. Yeah. Okay. So we know that there's some fundamental talents tenants to the hero's journey and people identify with it okay um because inside it everyone's a hero yeah? yeah in their own world their own world they are the 
think they do, they may not deny it, but it's true. <laughs> but oh, the I thing won't is, deny it. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. I'm a WB chick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am my own uh, heroine. Go ahead. Absolutely, we all are. And uh, so here, here's the thing. Um, in order, I just love branding since forever. Yeah. When I was working on a piece about a year and a half ago or two, I really dug deep into a. Um, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, I always get confused on the terminology, but a guy who called Carl Jung or Carl Jung, yeah. who, who put forward the theory that um, humans of all uh, colours and creeds right across the world are pretty much born with a unconscious thinking about certain types of people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he, he called it the collective unconscious, yeah, and what it really meant was that there's 12 types of people that humans could ordinarily identify with and they couldn't explain why, yeah, mm-hmm. it was very deep within their unconscious and he called it the collective unconscious because everyone's like that, yeah, totally. and, and so he um, uh, broke them down into 12 to make it easy, 12 types of people, yeah? Mm-hmm. But but really they're, you know, mythical creatures. They could be whatever they are. But um, the 12 of them, and I won't list them all because I can't remember off the top of my head, um, but there would be the hero. There would be the outlaw. There would be the ruler. There would be the, the caregiver. All these uh, characters... Mm-hmm and I use that word specifically, have different characteristics and traits, yeah, how they behave, how they look, how they speak, how they feel, all those things. Well, when we use the word characters, what's central to any film or story? The characters. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. So now we're overlapping, yeah, between what's embedded in the human psyche and extreme commercial success being the hero's journey in Hollywood, yeah? Mm-hmm. So now when we start to look at it, if we just use the Karate Kid as an example, and like I didn't even know we were going to talk about Karate Kid, but you can see how it just fits in. Yeah. And I can't even remember what was in it. But um, all of a sudden the sage character, Mr. Miyaki, is one of the archetypes, character archetypes in Jung's theory. And this is where it gets really, really powerful. And the reason why I believe um, the archetypes are so important to trust building is because people can identify with a brand and can't explain why it works, yeah? Yeah. And and I had this journey uh, um, recently and how I came up with Publish and Grow, and I think I told you this off air, oh, yeah. uh, is that I had a choice, you know, to help people um, get better at content marketing and call it content marketing deep dive mm-hmm. and realize most people have never heard of it. So I could go that way or I could try and create a category that is self-evident, yeah, and hits a lot of cues based on what people unconsciously already know but they can't articulate, yeah. Which is where and business growth publishing came in. Yeah, so that's okay. part of a, what I'd call a, a blue ocean branding strategy where you just redefine the boundaries how you, to your advantage, not within the current market dynamic. But publishing grows where it really came from, yeah? And so my archetype, at least 50% of it, is to be the sage because mm-hmm. I'm teaching, yeah? Yeah. Um, the characteristics of a sage is 
to be uh, analytical about process and to a point being unemotional about it, yeah, saying this is why it works, this is why that doesn't work, yeah. <laughs> wax on, wax off. <laughs> and, yes, and it's, uh, and it's basically in search of the truth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's a characteristic of the sage. Now, if you look across all the films where um, the sage is involved, let's look at uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, he came in to help Luke, the hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when he died and they got into the third episode, uh, all of a sudden it was Yoda. Mm-hmm. So how come do they always talk about, you know, someone who's really smart, ah, oh, you know, he's a Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. I actually met a guy in San Francisco who called himself the Wine Yoda. <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking. Yeah, but that was a bit over the top. But anyway, but you can see what's happening. That is one of the the Jung's archetypes. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, once you know that, with it comes you know uh, fonts. You can quickly look up um, any brand, any major international brand, and they would have clearly aligned themselves with a particular archetype. Yeah. And so with that, that can dictate color schemes, fonts, everything that just naturally resonates. And so it's that concept of naturally resonating. So um, you don't have to work so hard, right? I mean, there's this there's no. a psychological piece that we're not that conscious of that will automatically connect with certain people. E- exactly. It autom- that automatic connection is already the fundamental starting point of trust, yeah? It just fits. It feels good. This yeah. person this person feels right. I can't explain why, but I know that I'm going to be okay. I, I, I do that, I guess, subconsciously. You know, it's like there's certain, if I go to a site and it just doesn't appeal to me, I mean, I bounce and there are certain things, there are certain elements that I like and I'm drawn to mm. that make me want to stick around. I'm going to have to start paying attention to those things that yeah, I, I have curiosity now to see why I leave. Absolutely. And it may be just because it was a poor message, yeah? Mm-hmm. Because someone was advised on a strategy that isn't really ideal for them, but it, it works for the person who's providing the advice. You know what I mean? Which happens too often. It's sort of like a um, they're repeating what they've done or they're teaching what worked for them as opposed to helping the yeah. client find yeah. their voice and their archetype. Exactly, because the client could have strengths in other areas. Right. I see a lot of that. It's like these mini-me's. I'm like, you look just like the person who you hired. So that that doesn't differentiate you. What are you good at? (laughs) You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The client could be good at getting on TV. Yeah. You know? And, you know, as as a professional in helping someone want to grow their business, if they're going to get on TV, I'd say, go and get on TV. Don't worry too much about the website just yet. Yeah. What, what we'll do is create a basic website quickly to capture the awareness from TV. Which is huge. And even if you don't have the TV experience maybe that they want, it's you find a strategy and a way to do that because that's where their strengths lie. Exactly. Because the goal is to grow business. Yeah. <laughs> not to build websites, not to be the best video publisher of all time. Yeah, a lot of people miss that. Okay, just because we are, um, if you're good on time, I am too, because, you know, I I just love this stuff. But I want to know if if you could share some some common branding mistakes that you see clients making. Uh, Common branding mistakes. Um, The biggest problem I find, and it's not so much branding, but I suppose it is, is that they can't clearly define their value proposition. That simple. And then people go, oh, God, value proposition, I can't even define it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've got to really think about it, how you get results. That's it. 
you're in the business of results. Every business owner is um, there to provide a solution to a problem. Yeah. Okay. So you let me just clarify. So the value proposition is, so if I'm good at helping you get these results, that is my value proposition. Yeah. I'm proposing mm-hmm. proposition that the value I bring, okay, so let's break this down. The value being the benefit you get will be higher than the cost of acquiring my talent or services or product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoever, whoever that is as a business owner. Yeah. Um, and it'll be in de- direct proportion to the need. Okay. So think about it. It's Friday night and you've got a party at your house and the toilet blocks up. Oh, I'll pay a plumber you, what I need. <laughs> you're going to pay a plumber whatever he asks. Yep. Because the need is acute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's indirect proportion there. So if he says, yeah, that's going to be, you know, $2,000 and you've got, you know, a private audience there that, you know, could grow your business, by, you're going to pay it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's as simple. So it's always about cost versus benefit, yeah, which is the value. If the value is the same as the cost, well, people are like, meh, yeah. I can give or take. I can give or take it. It doesn't change because there's no net benefit, yeah? No, totally. That, that's, that's the bottom line. Whereas if you say, okay, well, the value will be up here. I pay 100 You pay $100, you get 200 back straight away there's a quantifiable value there yeah absolutely now that that in your messaging if you said that that's the expectation yeah Yeah. so now you're dealing in the realm afterwards is did you meet expectations or exceed expectations with me yeah yeah what i was just thinking about is it's interesting because i don't think I, i shared this beginning but just simply how you and i connected that uh you know wes and i are both in a mastermind group that we're targeting and using Facebook for advertising. And that was, his, that was his message. What this, he, you know, this is, it's going to cost you this much to get in, but this is what the results are going to be. And so you look at it and it's like, okay, well, that's a small investment for these results. Yeah. And so then the question is, and I had it, this is going to come down to trust. Do I trust you to help me deliver the result? Yep. That's all there was. Nothing else. Only trust because it's a belief. I didn't. I don't personally know the guy until I paid the money. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And see, I see, and so, I've known him for a few years, so it was like an easy one for me. But <laughs> yeah, but for me, I'm asking a lot of questions. Yeah. But so he was clear on his message, right? Yeah. He was clear absolutely. on his value proposition for you. I, but I, I think... also started looking around, seeing who else was using him, looking for social proof. Ah, good. You know, there's more more to trust than just the obvious. Well, I, you know, and I don't mean to be redundant because I swear the clarity and I think it's just because it, it's been a real focus of mine this year and really stepping back and saying, well, what, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? And so who is my audience? And I mean, so you have exercises in publish and grow, grow. right? Yep. That, that walks. Pe- okay. Cause I know you and I have done this and you're like, where's your yeah. value proposition? I'm like, I'm still working yeah. on it. It's coming. So, so, so look, here's the fundamental premise is that you've got to have clarity before you can produce content. Yeah? I totally it's always say, because you know, I, I say it all the time when you're dealing with professionals, you know, business owners, CEOs, etc. They didn't get there because they had an inability to do everything. 
you know, they're competent people. They're smart people. They they've used their skill set to get to where they where they are. So if they're not publishing, there's got to be a reason why they're not doing it. If you've given them all the good reasons why, what's still stopping them? And a lot bulk of the time, it'll always be time. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have the time. Okay, so let's reframe this and let's start talking about a trust building asset base. Okay, ah, uh-huh, just want to by sell. framing is an asset. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If this builds trust remotely, what's going to happen if trust is in place? Okay, I don't have to run around doing one-on-ones. I, as soon as someone calls me, they they feel like. They know me and I have never spoken to this person. This is what happened in our client case study is that we put up this trust-building content and this was the most conservative audience in Australia. It was the Australian farmers. And having come from an Australian farming background, I know how tough it is to crack that market. And so in order to to crack that market for a business that was basically unknown and changed its name, so it had no brand recognition, um, we had to build trust quickly in order to get sales. But you didn't want to go and do that hypey, pushy, hey, we're the best, we're the best, we're the best. Yeah, no. We had to do the you know, the reverse psychology and go, you've got this problem, we'll fix it, and you're going to be really happy with the result. And it's you know, not as expensive as anywhere else where you'll get marginal results. So the value proposition is there, but it was clearly communicated. And this is the key, getting that clarity first on how you deliver your results. So that's your business model, okay? So it could be online only. It could be one-on-one hand-holding. It could be everything in between. You know, you could be a product manufacturer and say, we get results by creating the best widget ever. Either way, being very clear on it and how that result's delivered so you can set the expectation for your future client. Yeah, if you go into this store, this is where we can serve you best. You know, it sets an expectation versus, you know, um, oh, yeah, I, I bought into your consultancy and it's, and it's all online. You didn't tell me that and I don't like doing it online. You know, you, you, you promised me one-on-one. You've, you've misrepresented yourself and that's a, still a business model, yeah? Yeah. Because one-on-one versus online. Okay, so being really clear how you deliver results and effectively communicating the value because at the end of the day, if you can't effectively communicate value, you're buggered. It's <laughs> as simple as that, you know, because you can have all the value in the world, but if you can't communicate it, nothing's happened. You tell, there's, been, I, I, there's no knowledge transfer. I just had this huge light bulb moment about a sales <laughs> page I did. I'm not kidding you. And I'm like, okay, because, you know, in the space that I'm in, and I, I'm, it's in the I am space, but yet it's not, I, I don't know, I don't crank out crap. But in, in that space, you know, there, there's formats for copy and all that stuff. And I always come from this place of, I just, when it comes to copy, my head spins. I'm fine with creating content and teaching and training. But the whole thing is, that whole sales letter, the whole page, well, it's, not, it's a sales page, really, but it's not, it does not communicate my value at all. I was just yeah. thinking about this. I'm like, okay, so here's what's in the training. And this is where I think your head might be, but I'm not stating my value proposition. Okay, so that's going to change. Yeah. So, so, so when, thanks when you, again for more work. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you know, it's like um, oh, it's awesome. you know, getting the right foundations to the house. That's really exactly. We, we build it right the first time. Yeah. And you can't do that until you get clarity. Yeah. And clarity on what you're providing. And so when you're communicating, see, the hero's journey really works in three phases. There's three acts, yeah? There's um, the current 
miserable reality, act one, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, act two is the journey to, and then I'll put in brackets, to transformation, yeah? Yep. And act, act three is the, the promised land, yeah? Totally. That's it. So, you know, Karate Kid, all he wants to be is world-class Karate Kid so he can beat up at bullies. Yeah. That's it, yeah? The journey, oh, Mr. Miyagi, do I have to go wax on, wax off, wax on? You know, you son of a gun, you're making me work slave labor the whole time, you know. They're always presented with micro-challenges along the way, yeah. Um, Harry Potter, the whole thing, living with a miserable family, wanting wanting a family where he fits in and he's loved and – Everything well, he goes through through loss. Well, so he saw his initial unfair injury <laughs> yeah. is that he, he was orphaned. Yeah, right from the get go. Yeah, and that bang. Oh, that poor kid. Yeah. Oh, jeez. And now he's getting picked on by the family. He's living That's in a closet. Uh, yeah, he's living. They're bullying him and beating him up. How unfair! But he's skilled. He's got a natural talent. Yeah, he's a wizard. Yeah, that's right. Well, and he's a yeah. good wizard. Like, <laughs> well, not only is he a wizard, he, he's one of the best. And I'm he's so got a, objective. Not <laughs> he, he's he's got a reputation. By the time he gets to Hogwarts, all the teachers and the whole you know wizard and witch community know about Harry Potter, even though he doesn't even realize it. And look at all the, the tests that he goes through. Yeah, he's always constantly getting tested. Yeah, but he's always in danger. From Voldemort, always He's constantly, constantly living under threat. And and I'm gonna people. There's there's one fun element that I can't share with anybody because they have to work with you to get it. But but that that other little piece that we talked about. And I I'm purposely being ambiguous, you guys, because this was another <laughs> like Kim jumping out of her chair on Skype with Wes because yeah, it, it just. Yeah. It went, I, <laughs> I was like, I, I can do that. That that piece that I'm not going to tell you about, it yeah. ties into the hero's Highly pro- Highly proprietary. What it does, it's a set of questions that join the dots between you, the business owner, and your brand archetype and your story. I think it's probably the best way to describe it. Absolutely. Think? Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's the, the most fun process um the whole thing like see i got all excited again because now i'm like i gotta go right um anyway yeah. but see we're only just talking about you know the getting clarity which is about two modules yeah yeah how many modules is it i don't we haven't gone that far how many uh we're i'm, I'm at eight right now mm-hmm. but really what happened is that you know if you're looking at content marketing um and this is why i specifically don't put that forward you know Anyone will tell you who's sort of right up to, oh, yeah, you know, you've got to create great ideas and then learn how to plan the knowledge and have editorial calendars and uh, basically be a journalist, yeah? Yeah, I've tried editorial calendars. They don't work for me. They don't work for most people. (laughs) You know, unless you've come out of the journalism game and know that business model, most business owners aren't journalists, yeah? Yeah. They're, They're good at what they do, yeah? So... The idea is to get clarity because an imperfect piece of content with the right message is much more effective than a polished piece of content that doesn't communicate anything or confuses or just it's just crap. Yeah, completely. I, I look at the difference between my content when I was first getting started. There was a lot of fear there, too. But even as I got stuck in sort of this create a tutorial, blah, 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 blah. And there was no voice. There was no passion. There was no 
there were, Kim wasn't in it at all. And as soon as I shifted to that, my engagement just skyrocketed. Yeah, yeah. And now you, you did something that the journalists really try to do is get the voice into it. Mm-hmm. That, that's certainly one thing. But here's, here's the thing. With the case study that we've done, and there's a whole free training program on Publish and Grow for this for anyone who's interested. Um, and I'll put all the links, just FYI, yeah, to anybody listening. Yeah. I'll list them at the end. Um, yeah. And in the show notes and stuff. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah. But but the thing is, with the client, you know, who I said was out in the farming community, et cetera, we had a choice. Um, there was a budget there to try and grow sales, yeah? I had already built a website for him, yeah? Mm-hmm. It wasn't that good by any stretch. Um, it was it did the job, whatever. But I had a choice to either spend the money making it sexy or creating a communication that will resonate with the target audience. Yeah. Yep. Where is the value? Target the audience. Value. Who's going to spend money? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, communicating your value to the target audience when they have a specific problem. Yeah. So what we did is did a lot of video there because in this particular business, the the audience, um, had, you know, farmers have some pretty serious issues sometimes and, and the cost could be up to twenty, thirty thousand dollars So the higher the sticker price, the higher the trust that's required, yeah? yeah, just like we spoke about earlier. And so all the energy and all the budget went into that, not the website. And his return on investment was about 15 times, yeah? It was huge. Well, yeah, and you share all that in the case study, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, all the tools we used, I've got training on that, everything. You know, it's all there because – I just, I'm just so committed that people should be getting taught the right way and not getting told bits and bobs, you know. Well, and it, it actually it doesn't it, fit. No, and if you if you don't, I, I mean, I hindsight's twenty twenty, and I, I do trust my own journey. But had I had some of this perspective, I probably would have been a lot further along at this point when I started, but I, I, I really wasn't clear. I can tell you, I probably did not get super clear and, or started working on clarity really until this last year. Um, and so, cause I know, well, that was a larger client, the, um, your farming client, but who, what type of client is your ideal client? Like, I mean, I want everybody to go at least watch the training, you know, because you're going to get a ton of value from that. So just watch it, and I'm sure you had fun with this call. Anyways, you're listening, but um, who is your ideal client and that you uh, to my, work with? My, my ideal client is probably someone that has already got a business. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not necessarily exclusively, but it's probably more a B two B business. Um, that it all comes down to lifetime value. If if a new client to so. If my client, if they can acquire a new customer and their customer is worth, say, $1,000 mm-hmm. over the journey of their lifetime, whether it's buying one widget 10 times at $100 mm-hmm. to get that lifetime value, or it's higher. The higher, the better, because what I'm finding is the, the higher pricing, the higher lifetime value, the more trust is required, but it's just so easy to get a return on investment. You know, if oh, we're yeah. doing this, if we're doing this, you know, because you decided to create a new cola and we're selling it for a dollar fifty, mm-hmm. um, all I'd say is yes, this will work. It'll just take longer to get your return on investment. 
You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, no, I was thinking it, Shark it Tank. And when they do that, it's like, well, you've only sold this much or it's going to take me this long to get my investment back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're the fundamentals. Um, but if you've got a clear, compelling value proposition and you can absolutely get results for your clients and you know you can, we need to talk because that's the f- – I, I, I tell you who I don't work with and who's not my ideal client, someone who can't get results for their audience. <laughs> Simple as that. And I know you're also. Yeah? Yeah. I, I, ain't t- I ain't touching it. There's no way that we're going to dress up something that's not there. Well, that that's huge. And I think that's a – even in my suggestion would be if you're listening to this and you're and you can't define if you're able to get results for your audience, your client, well, that kind of answers the question there for you. But go through the training yeah. be, because you're going to get clarity on where you do you you do provide value or where you can provide value and shift things. Um, I just in the few times we've talked, I've gotten a lot of clarity in, in why I'm shifting <laughs> things. I, I have, and I'm like, okay, wait, so this model is going to be here, and I'm going to talk about that later. But um, Okay, so if people want to work with you, it's best for them to go to publishandgrow.com. Absolutely. Right there, they can sign up for the free training and get the entire um, uh, resource base that we did for our client. And along that way, we've also got a case study um, that people can check out. And if they want to know more and want to work directly with me one-on-one, they can apply for a session. We'll have a strategy session. If nothing else, that strategy session itself will provide clarity on their value proposition and also give me ideas on how we could quickly execute results. And so it's about speed. So um, it's like everything in life. You can either spend the next year trying to figure it all out for yourself, or in my case, took me a lot longer than that, or you just work work with professionals that have already done it. And it's just speed of results, speed of acquisition of the results. So either way, you're going to get a result. Just depends how soon. Well, thank you so much, Wes. And I am going to be sharing. And of course, I'll check with you. I won't share anything proprietary. But um, I, I announced it in the, the other post that I did in the previous podcast where I was just saying that, one, you're an awesome accountability partner. I'm like, God, he keeps kicking my ass. It's like, oh, where's your where's your, where's your mission set? I'm like, it's coming, it's coming. I, I get on with it. <laughs> I can't. I can't keep using being tired from Scotland two weeks ago for too long. No, but um, no, but it, but it's great because it's like get clear. And I think a lot of people. I know that my audience or, or some of my clients, they don't want to spend the time to do some of this stuff that they think is more like the head stuff. But the reality is, it is truly the foundation. It is totally the foundation. I mean, I have figured out at least a target audience with the WordPress chick. And so, I mean, I write to that audience. I am talking directly to them when I create content. But this next step that I'm going in, working with you has just been like mind blowing. I keep saying that. So I'm being redundant. Yeah, look, look, as long as it gets results, and, and at the end of the day, um, you just got to be clear on your business model, the results you get for the particular audience, the problems you solve, okay? And who, what you, the, the, the problems you solve in one market are different to the problems you solve in another, and that's what you're working through right now. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much. Of course, it's always a blast to talk to you, but thank you for sharing this. <laughs> Uh, it, look, it's a pleasure. It's 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 good fun, and I enjoy it. And every time, you know, every time I speak with you, I get clarity on new ideas, what's working, what's not. So everything's it's all upside. Okay, well, I'm on a mission. I want to share your message too. So, um, everybody, <laughs> make sure to check out publishandgrow.com. And Wes, we'll talk offline, and I'll find out yep. where else people can connect with you socially and whatnot, and your Facebook Definitely. page and all that good stuff. So thanks again, yeah. Wes. Absolutely, all the best. 
Well, that wraps up my interview with the brilliant Wes Ward. <laughs> you can tell I totally geeked out on him, um, which I do every time we talk because something blows my mind. And, and if you listen to this in full, and I'm hoping you did, I'm still working on my value proposition and the 12 archetypes uh, for a new project that I've got coming that I'm super excited about that was inspired after a few conversations with Wes. So I'm going through his training and, and I'm going to start sharing that journey. So make sure to go check out Wes at publishandgrow.com. And just if you connect with him, tell him I sent you. He is, I'm, I'm having a ball. Like, like I said on the interview, I, I think you heard, um, how excited I am about this whole new storytelling angle. So anyways, I think it's brilliant and I hope you enjoy the interview. Make sure to leave some comments if you're interested or want to connect with Wes. Again, you can connect with him at publishandgrow.com. Um, leave him some comments on the post, the show notes. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you and all the links to the episode again are in the post on the site. Thanks so much, everybody. Tune in next time for a solo show, which I think I'll probably share uh, my new my new project that I've got going on. So very excited about that. Thanks so much. And as always, I would love a review on iTunes if you're up for it. Take care, everybody. Talk to you next week.